there's nothing so maddening as someone wronging us and knowing every reason why they should pay us back. Every reason why they have offended us and how we deserve to be treated better. There's almost nothing more maddening. It can drive us insane. And what Jesus offers in this gospel, and what the church offers in these set of readings, is a dose of sanity, and with that, a dose of humility. Jesus describes the tale of forgiveness in the economy of salvation in this parable. And so I'll just walk through it to get our memory going again and to point out the details of what is truly meant here. We're given this man who is a king and he wants to settle all of his accounts with his servants. He finds this one servant who owes him back what this translation says, an immense amount. Other translations will say thousands of talents. What is a talent? A talent would be about 200 days wages. So this man owes thousands of talents. What the author Matthew is saying here is that this man offers several lifetimes of service. He has so much money that he cannot pay it back for several lifetimes. And so the king says that because he can't pay it back, he's going to take his wife, his children, all of his property, and even himself. To which the man responds that if he's patient, then he will pay him back in full, knowing he can't pay him back in full. The several lifetimes of work. But he truly does intend to. He wants to give everything, but he wants to keep his property, his wife, his children. And so the king looks with pity upon him. And he doesn't say, okay, I'll take you up on the deal, but he says, actually, no, I'll forgive you the whole debt. I'll forgive all of it to you. But then, maybe in a bout of amnesia, whether it's or pride or a hatred for his own poverty, he's given his own servant, who owes him a much smaller amount, this translation says, or a few hundred denarii, which would have been a day's wage. And whenever he's not given the day's wage from his servant, now he throws that servant into jail. And when the king finds out that he's thrown his servant into jail, he throws that man into jail to be tortured until he pays back the whole debt. So what can we glean from this? There's some interesting questions that immediately pop into our mind. One, how does this man get several lifetimes worth of money to spend? If he owes the master this much, then he must have been entrusted with that much. But what he was entrusted with would have been impossible for him to earn. What does that logically mean? It means that the master entrusted, or the king entrusted this man with more than he could have earned. 
He entrusted with him like a countless treasure. And this is our story. That Jesus has entrusted us with the gift of life. We are born debtors. But we're not born debtors as if God is just banging on our door and upset with us, waiting for us to just pay back the debt. It's this free gift. It's immeasurable. It's something that we could not have earned our very life. And to even up the ante, he has bestowed upon us his own divine life. He's given us supernatural grace to raise us up to the life of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to be in union with Him. And so, in the context of that great debt, have we sinned? That we've squandered all of it. We have a debt that we've accrued that we can't even count ourselves. And to that, if we intend to repay it by our lives, as this man does, then God looks upon us and he forgives all of it. But there's a problem. The problem is, as we go through day-to-day life and people offend us with what we deserve in a day's wage, just what we deserve in a day-to-day interactions, we hold them to it. We hold them to it so much that we imprison them. If not really, rarely, it is very commonly that we imprison them within our own heart. And then, God does not take that lightly. What God does is that he has us tortured by our own righteousness or lack thereof. How often does it happen? where someone wrongs us and we say, I would have never done that, X, Y, and Z. And then later on, out of the depths of our conscience, we notice all of the little ways that we fail throughout the day. This is God through through our conscience torturing us, noticing, wait, I'm not righteous this way, I'm not righteous that way, and so on and so forth. Until we pay back the whole debt. And how do we pay back the whole debt? We can't. The only way is to go back to the king and to say and to beg him for his mercy. And so there's still kind of, I don't know, this dilemma that we're in. How do we function knowing that we've been forgiven of all our sins? but also still very much entrapped in people offending us throughout the day and then recognizing that we are slow to forgive. I think the first reading in the responsorial psalm gives us a few clues on what to do. First, it is important to recognize that when we forgive, it feels like an imp- when we are hurt, sorry, when we are offended, it feels like an impossible task to forgive. It feels like you just took something from me. How am I supposed to give you more? I have nothing more to give. And to that, and this is something that I don't think that we think about enough with forgiveness, is that forgiveness 
has to start with the head because the heart is so wounded sometimes. Forgiveness has to start with the head because the heart is so wounded sometimes. Listen to the end of this first reading. If one who is but flesh cherishes wrath, who will forgive his sins? Remember your last days. Set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease from sin. Think of the commandments. Hate not your neighbor. Remember the Most High's covenant and overlook faults. The author of the book of Sirach is telling us to remember our last days, think of the commandments, and to remember the Most High's covenant. When we are offended, we cannot look to how we feel offended and how I just can't get over this feeling. I have to get my head above the water and I have to think about the Most High's commandments. I have to remember His covenant and I have to remember my last days. Is it worth it to hold on to this? Can I not remember how God has forgiven me? To get my head above water that way. That's how we are to think. Remembering our last days, remembering the commandments of God, and to remember His covenant. And then the responsorial psalm gives us not only how to think, but how to act. The very first line. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and never forget all his benefits. It's no wonder that bitter people are usually ungrateful people. And we become bitter people when we do not forgive. And once we do that, we look more towards our neighbor then we look up. And so for that reason, we don't bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, my soul. Whenever we bless the Lord, whenever we give thanks, we remember His benefits. We remember how grateful we are to Him. And to that, we get out of this, he said, she said, he did, he did, kind of tit-for-tat justice, and are able to look up, get our head above water, and are able to forgive. And then thirdly and lastly, above all of this, that we have to recognize forgiveness in the same way that the forgiveness of our sins happens by the Lord's grace, forgiveness of other people's sins only happens by the Lord's grace. Think about this man who is sold. He sold along with his wife, his children, and all his property. We have a man who was sold for our sins. He was sold unto death for 30 pieces of silver. His wife, the church, was left without him. His mother, he had to give away as well. The little property he did have, even his tunic, was given away. That this is a man who is sold for our sins. And that in baptism, we are made partners with this man, this man Christ. That whenever it's time for us to forgive, and we say, I have nothing more to give, you've taken it all. 
that we cling in faith to the man who gave everything. And we say with him, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because we know not what we've done by our sins. Because we have no idea what, who we've offended and what we forfeited. So we ask that the Lord can rejuvenate our memory and help us to think on him. That he can give us the grace to bless him. And that in the obscurity of faith, we can reach out and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That we can share in the Lord's life, which is an immeasurable gift, and not be caught up in wondering about a day's wage. <laughs>